and welcome to episode 12 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. A little bit different this week. Uh, we don't have Andy joining us, but once again we are joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton. Hello, Gref. Good evening. Good evening. And as well, we are joined by a man who I'm sure is going to ask the question as always. Who is Gareth Dutton? It is Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. I'm just going to not waste my time and ask it, but we're good evening, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week in the Elite League, uh, the Stars walked away with a four-point weekend. They got their first regulation win since September. Um, the Storm only had a one-point weekend, unlike Dave tweeted earlier on. Um, so, they got the loss against the Steelers and then, obviously, the overtime loss against the Cardiff Devils. And the Flyers had a shock um, one-point weekend, obviously taking the Stars to a shootout on the Sunday. Um, so, yeah. Guys, what, uh, what what stood out for you this week? One thing that um, stood out for me that you have mentioned, I'm surprised you have mentioned, is a great result for Milton Keynes Lightning. Um, uh, overtime win at the Champions, the Cardiff Devils, given the last time they were there in front of the TV cameras, Cardiff took to pieces. Um, they come away with a 3-2 victory, um, turning things around slowly and surely um, in Milton Keynes. So that, that was my highlight. Um, I'm ignoring the fact that we both predicted, me and you, Joe, that uh, Steelers would beat Manchester by three goals. We'll ignore that, you know, just to make sure Gref's not feeling too uh, unloved. But no, my, my highlight was uh, the Milton Keynes result against Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff have certainly yeah, picked I, the gate. Oh, sorry, Gref. <laughs> Go for it, Gref. Yeah, I'll let you group him. I agree. <laughs> I'd agree. The Milton Keynes one is probably my highlight as well. The overtime win against Cardiff. You wouldn't have predicted that at any point this season so far. Yeah, you set me up for what I was going to say then anyway, Greg, so thanks for that. Um, yeah, Cardiff have certainly, uh, you can see a shift in their fixtures. Uh, I mean, obviously back to winning ways this week, obviously other than against the Lightning. But, I mean, a 3-2 win against Flyers, so keeping it quick, keeping it nice and close. Obviously a 5-4 win against the Storm on a Saturday in overtime. And then obviously taking the MK game down to the knuckle with the 3-2 loss in overtime. So... In fairness, start of the season, we were seeing them smash teams. We, we were seeing them get five, six, seven goals. Um, so to see them become a little bit closer now, it's, it's good to see. Starting to see the league pull together and get a little bit closer again. Um, so, I mean, first up on the agenda, I guess, as always, guys, is the changes in the league. Um, just after we recorded the podcast last week, so we recorded it on Tuesday. I think it was Wednesday the Steelers announced that Eric Neely was to be returning to them from Milton Keynes. What do we think? Um, we we had him at the back end last season in Sheffield and it was disappointing we couldn't keep him. By the time we wanted to, he'd retired, um, was going to the world of work and then that fell through. By the time he rang back... Um, Tomo had filled his team, um, so just weren't able to, to find a spot. And you, you don't have a guy like Eric Neely as a spare import. Um, and he'll have designed his team and, and wise and whatnot. So he, he's ended up in Milton Keynes, winning one of their good players. The only thing I hope, and you know, it's not for public consumption in terms of we need to know the nitty-gritty details, is that they've compensated Milton Keynes, uh, in essence, for this transfer. Um, you know, covered costs such as the ITC card and maybe some kit costs, whatever expenses that Milkins can justify putting in the well, you can have them, but you've got to cover this. So, hopefully, that's been happened. So, we haven't fallen a bit for we haven't shafted Milkins, but I don't think, if I'm honest, I don't think the management of Steelers now 
would do that and was talking to Tony Smith here. Um, I don't think we'd, we'd do that. So, But in terms of the player in Sheffield, I think that adds another dimension to a team that is slowly starting to become a very uh, different team and proposition for everybody in the league. Um, you'll just look at the, the Brayhead result in terms of going down. The team no longer knows how to lose when they're out of the game. So you add this element, this good element in Eric Neely and Sheffield now become just a bit more dangerous and now is a team that can punch its way <coughs> by hook or by crook back into you know, maybe even the top four or five, which two or three weeks ago, I don't think anybody realistically would have said would have been the case. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I can see they're going to... you <laughs> Go after the season you've had, three, four, five, that would be brilliant for you. I mean, you're not going to be challenging for the title. Or maybe you can do. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. <laughs> but, I mean, getting Eric Neely back for you guys, I think that's a key, a good key signing for you guys to have. I know you wanted him to start the season. Obviously, as you mentioned, you retired. That fell through. Played brilliantly at MK with the, the injuries they've had and the struggle they've had this season so far. Minus that Cardiff game. I think it's been brilliant. Yeah, he's certainly a guy that I, I was happy to see back. I mean, he was he was one that I know that we wanted to come back in, uh, you know, to Sheffield this year. Obviously, as you say, it wasn't to be. He decided to go off into the, uh, as you say, the world of work, Dave. Um, and then, obviously, whatever happened, either it fell through or he changed his mind, and um, and we got no roster slots, which was a bit of a shame. I know that a lot of our fan base were kind of saying, "Why are we letting him go?" But as you say, he's not the guy that you keep on the bench to be an extra, you know, an, an extra import and. To be fair, you can't sign a roster of players and then go, actually, the guy that I wanted at the start of the season is available now, so actually you're going to be a spare import now. It doesn't work like that. You know, you're not going to get a team that's I going to be I was literally just about to come in with that point where he's up, top of design his team and then kind of go, oh, actually, you're going to be the spare import. They wouldn't have signed um, on that basis. So, yeah, like I say, just, you know, I think timing has been on Sheffield's side on this occasion, whereas it weren't at the beginning of the season. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously one of the things that Sheffield have been a little bit deficient in at the start of the season was goal scoring. Um, I mean, it was a point that Tomo always said before obviously he left, um, was that he wanted to bolster the goal scoring. One of the things that um, Brendan Brooks was brought in for to see if he could add some goals, obviously didn't have the impact that we were necessarily looking for. Um, Neely, proven goal scorer in the Elite League. I mean, in fairness, he played 25 games for us last season, 21 points, that was split, 10 goals, 11 assists, so a pretty all-round player that you want. You know, he's shown the same kind of form in Milton Keynes as well, 19 games, 17 points, and again, 9 goals, 8 assists. So he's very, very even in terms of how he contributes to others and also, obviously, how he can put them away himself. So definitely going to be exciting in, the, in Sheffield over the next couple of weeks or so. Very much so. And the other change in the league, Gref, uh, there's been a bit of a change in Nottingham, hasn't there? There is, yeah. you got Sam Gospel going to Telford Tigers on a two-way deal. It'd be great for him to get some ice time because, you know, he's more than likely not going to get the ice time there at the moment. But that's going to be brilliant. Yeah, it's become a bit more of a, a, a common thing, hasn't it now? I mean, in fairness, it, it looks to be the case that Brad Day's done the same thing in the NIHL, I believe, was it for the whole Pirates that he was on a two-way with? Um, so, 
you know, it, it looks to be that kind of thing. I'm, I'm on a 50-50 with it. I guess on one side, particularly with Gospel, he's a proven netminder. I think Brad pulled out the stops when he needed to at times, but... You know, had a little bit less experience at, at times than, than Sam, or certainly looked to be a little bit less strong and confident than, than Gospel did when he got between the pipes. But you know, I, you've, on one side of things, you've got to feel bad for the guys that are obviously signed, particularly Gospel. You know, he's been signed this year with the the perspective of obviously he's going to be playing for Nottingham, and he's going to be backing them up, and obviously he had a lot of potential to be there if Garnet wasn't available or, or Garnet was injured. Now. You know, they bring in another goalie, as we said last week, you've got to feel a bit sorry for him for that. But the flip side, you know, Gospel, Brad Day, as you say, getting a lot more ice time. So on the same same side of things as that, obviously, we're getting a bit more experience for us British goaltenders there as well. Yeah, well, we said last week it was the signing of um, uh, the Nottingham keeper, Munnard, I apologise if I've got his name wrong, but um, it was strange in respect of how when they had Gospel, Gosper in their ranks. Um, so, like you said, Griff, you know he's he's gone back to te- he's gone back to Telford, um, where he won a title. I think he won the old EPL title um, there. So he know he knows the ropes. He knows the coach well. Uh, Tom Watkins, uh, not only at Telford but GB um, Junior, I think under twenties. Um, so he's, he knows what he's getting. He knows what he's dealing with. So it'll be good for him. Um, it's obviously a two-way. Panthers have the first call. So if they need him, he will go. Um, back up to Nottingham but I think it, it's a deal that with the first signing it becomes a bit of a win-win situation Panthers have that mechanism where if, if one of theirs gets injured he can come back up um, Telford have a proven goalie in a you know battle of three teams in the NIHL North uh, and Gosport gets ice time so I suppose it's the, the best outcome for Gosport um, but it's, just, it's kind of the end of a strange dealings in terms of how Nottingham have dealt with their goal situation. It is. I mean, how would you guys both? Do you know how would you prefer to see it go? We, we've discussed in the past that maybe the the kind of the almost the football mentality of we want to get the, the league win, um, you know, whereas maybe they don't put that focus in the NHL. We we talked about the fact that that may be a bit damaging in terms of the development of the backup keepers. What would you prefer to see? Would you prefer to see the backups going over and doing that kind of two-way deal thing and obviously having a second import netminder in or a second higher calibre you know, netminder in to cover? Or would you rather see them on the bench and obviously not getting as much ice time but obviously being there and getting the experience of the of the you know the more elite game? It's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, this one, because, I mean, what, what Cardiff uh, and Sheffield now have is they have... Um, two goalies who can start a game and be at the level that can win a game. Um, and not every team has that. And it harks back to the old days of the Super League where you had two starting netminders. Both was um, import netminders unless you signed uh, Steve Lyle, um, which I believe had a stint in Manchester. So, you know, at that time where it were, you had a handful across the league of, of British players, you know, so your both imports were of a starting standard. So you literally were like like having the NHL. You know, if you have double headers, right, one night X goalie plays and the next night Y goalie plays. So you didn't have the goalies playing game after game after game after game and come February, March, which we see in the Elite League, if we're honest, goalies are flogged. They did snacker because they've had to play every game. Um, to, to harp on an NHL example, in my own opinion, one of the reasons why the Rangers have never won a cup is because Lundqvist, by the, by the time the playoffs start, he's already on 60, 65 games. 
And at the end, then, that's a more condensed schedule than the Elite League. So uh, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see the scenario where you've got an import brick goalie, but the brick goalie being someone who can play 25 games and give the import goalie the rest. It serves twofold better. The team, because, OK, the import, unless it's Ben Bounds or Jackson Whistle, he imports your best goalie, and no respect to the other backups at the moment in time, he's your best goalie. So he serves the club well, having a fresher number one goalie. It also serves the fans better to see their better player, fresher, and he can then demonstrate his skills to entertain the fans. So I'd like to see that happen. What you've had for you know since the start of the Elite League is, right, we're going to sign an import netminder, we're going to have a guy who backs up, he's going to train with his imports, going to learn his trade with his imports, Monday to Friday. But when the pressure situation comes, apart from the end of the season, they don't seem to, or, or injury, they don't see much ice time. So what I'd like, and, I, and we may have mentioned this on, on previous podcasts, I'd like to see somehow the Elite um, League, and I'm not sure NIHL's the right level, if, if I'm honest. I think there's too much of a gap. Um, oh, oh, ice time's ice time, um, and all goals will go for it. In terms of being able to keep them ready for the jump up to the Elite League, I, I just don't think there's anything there. Um, in terms of, you know, it's, it's a good enough gap. It's too fat, too big, if I'm honest. Um, so I'd like to see somehow where the, the Elite League works with Ice Hockey UK and the rest of the leagues to to look for, I mean, I know they are at the moment looking at the, the overall structure of Ice Hockey in this country, but there's one overriding governing body. Um, and I believe that's meant to be in place for the start of the new season, so the 1920 season. But somehow that your British goalkeepers, because we now have, you know, goalie coaches specific um, for the men and the women's at national level, um, to see, to have that development growth so that we have a situation where Coventry can have an import netminder and a Brit netminder, but he, your Brit netminder is going to be playing 25 odd games and probably win about 10, 12, 13, which is one in that ratio. And every team have that. Because then, like I said earlier, it keeps that number one netminder fresher and it makes the games better. Because if you, let's, I mean, no respect, uh, you could pick any backup netminder. If you had them to play, are they going to? Are their skill sets? And there's no criticism on the goal. Let me just straight straight away. If their, if their skill sets can be any good compared to Udasaraski and Garnet, they won't. So something needs to be done. Something needs to happen. Fair play to Brad, and um, and that's to go down to the NHL. But it's, it's a time bomb that I think we've seen. It's, it could explode soon, and something needs to be done to help. Not just our British goalies, but the British game itself. Yeah, I certainly think the abolishment of the EPL hasn't done it any good either. Um, you know, before you had that bit of a shorter gap, a bit of a shorter jump. Now, I mean, it's the same as Kieran Brown, isn't it? When, when Kieran Brown went on a two-way with Blackburn and people were saying, oh, look at him, he's awesome, he's skating around everybody. That's great when he's skating three rings around somebody who's just come off a shop assistant job at Matalan. But... You know when he's when he's when he's skating against top quality imports and people that have got NHL and AHL experience under their belts, it's a little bit different. And again, it, it's nothing necessarily against the skill set of the guys in the NIHL. But at the end of the day, the NIHL is what it is because they don't have the same caliber of players. They they obviously have, you know, as far as I'm aware, there was a rule in there that they weren't even allowed to have professional players playing for them because that was it kept the. The, the playing field even so I'm not quite sure how they've gotten around having gospel on a two way or how they've got around having Brad down a two way but 
you know, at the same time, it's great. Maybe the first liner, maybe they've got a couple of guys who could push up into the Elite League or a couple of guys who've just retired from the Elite League. But, you know, when you're starting to see the third line go out there, you're starting to see some guys that, you know, are, are more on the amateur side than the professional side. How much good is it really going to do? It's going to do them a bit of confidence, but how long does that really run? I, I, must, I don't think it does run much. I mean, Gref, I mean, I know you followed the Phoenix when they were towards the back of the EPL. Um, and then that's, you know, probably the time when the gap was, was okay to allow your players to go from the late league down there. I mean, you also, you'll have seen a number of players have that jump back and forth. Um, and was, was that, the, would you say that was the right level um, to have between the two, between a league and the elite league? Yeah, I totally agree with that one. It, there wasn't much of a big gap. You had, you had your players like Farmer and Lakovitz. They all came down from into the EPL to play their trade for a good while before moving up to the Elite League. And now look at them, they're playing GB seniors all the time, getting picked every every single time almost. It's the NHL. It does seem to be a bit of a, a bit of a big gap. And it can, it can, it could have a big effect, especially when the likes of Bounsley retires from international from international duty. Who are we going to have then? Apart from obviously Jackson Whistle and Thomas Murder, who's going to be able to step up to the plate? No, I, I agree. I think that's the area that off ice sort of the the admin people. There are people that run the leagues. They need to look at that gap and, and shorten it. And they have to shorten it soon. You know, maybe one or two seasons. They have to have something because it, to help the development. Um, you know, if, and if it means the elite league running or pushing that and pushing that gap to, to you know, to allow it so you have the, the format of leagues where you could go from NIHL to EPL Mark Two to Elite League, then you have that, that progression mark. So you can, a player can start his trade at the bottom, work his way up, earn his stripes and be like you said with, with Farmer lack of it's in, in bounds work at a lower level get your game right become the player you are and go from there and as, we, as we've seen him you know win, win gold medals for GB yeah it's true I mean when, <clears throat> when you saw the EPL you never saw these apprenticeship contracts coming in or, or you, you know, it wasn't a thing that these apprenticeship contracts were needed where you had a, a 16, 17 year old kid sat on the bench for you know 59 minutes of a 60 minute game the, you know, like you saw Robert Farmer come up. Obviously, he was you know he was brought over on the bus when the Steelers played in the Conti Cup as an extra body, and now look at him. He's playing for the Panthers as one of their top goal. Uh, you know, one of one of their top end players. He's obviously scoring the game winning goal for GB to get him the gold in Budapest. He, he, you look at that kind of gap. I mean, let, let, let's not look at it. You know, let's not forget Robert Dowd came from the Steel Dogs and did the same kind of thing. You know, players moving up to then become the top caliber type of player, and now. There's, there's too much of a gap that we're bringing in these apprenticeship contracts, which in fairness, they sound good and they're probably doing more good than the player playing in the NIHL. But realistically, all we're doing is we're trying to reset the playing field to where it was when we had the EPL. Only probably slightly less efficiently because the players aren't getting the same game time. Yeah, I'd like to see something return where you had, I don't know, let's just say five imports. But you have a league, and maybe you have a league where teams are affiliated and actually, you know, go to the, the North American route where, you know, let, let's say, let's just use it because a classic example, Steel Dogs. And they would have a full affiliation back and forth with the Steelers 
and players could go up and, and down and they won't mark against anything. And you have that actual proper setup and have all the team. I, I, let's say there's, there's nine, 10, 11 teams in the elite league, have 10, 11 teams in this, whatever you want to call league, but have that. So you've got a better level than the NHL. And I think then the NHL would, would improve because they're seeing games. I mean, you've got like Telford playing against Nottingham Lions and Nottingham Lions, all their players are pay to play against a team that can sign a guy on four figures a week. You know, if you take that element against, that level then becomes more competitive. They enjoy, you know, they're paying every week to play. They're enjoying it more, so they're going to stay in the game so we don't lose these players. And I, I think we need that league back. I don't know what people or listeners think of that, but I think we need a league that will help us out. Do you know what I think I don't understand with the, the EPL to the NIHL thing is I don't understand how teams are, are keeping their fan bases. I know that sounds really stupid, but, you know, I mean, I, I went, obviously, but, you know, we go to the Steelers every week, you know, or at least every week that they're at home. We try and get to as many away games as possible. You know, we're used to that calibre of hockey. And, OK, the EPL was a bit of a step down from that. So, occasionally we'd go to Steel Dogs games if, you know, the Steelers were away in Edinburgh and we couldn't go or whatever. And so, you know, we'd go to a Steel Dogs game. And I have to admit that the quality was considerably less enticing for me, I, you know, because we were used to that higher level. I don't understand how people are turning up and paying the same amount every game to watch their team. Do you know, like people like like Steel Dogs fans or Telford fans. I mean, Telford at, at one point could have easily been an elite league team if they had a better arena. Obviously, I know they went through money troubles a couple of years ago, but prior to that, when they, I mean, they outbid the Steelers for Phil Hill, or supposedly, if the if the rumours are to be to be believed, you know, you look at their team, it was like players that had just moved from the elite league and they basically built a squad on it they could have easily been an elite league team why are we then watching you know how are their fans then paying whatever it is 11 12 pound a game to watch those players or that team with that budget as you say take on a team of players that are paying to play it just it just baffles me i must say i i won't mind if anybody who listens to the podcast who do watch any of the nihl teams if you know give us some feedback tell us what it is I'm like you, Joe. Um, I, I, I've, I've watched one game in the NHL and the Steel Dogs. They played Whitley Bay. And, you know, good win for the Steel Dogs that night, but I just couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy any of the hockey because it was just... And this is, I'm saying this is no disrespect. It, it was more akin to like Sunday League football. Um, but, you know, anybody listening to us who watches them seem to tell us. Tell us why. Give us the reasons. You know, and I'm sure there'll be very good reasons because, you know, tennises are still there for the likes of Telford, Steel Dogs... Uh, the Pirates so there must be some good reasons yeah I I, I even see in Altrincham Aces as well for being in Manchester I mean some of the, the games on there they don't seem to be as entertaining as we're, we're used to and I've come from watching obviously the EPL days as well and even back then it wasn't as interesting as it was now, it's still, it, it doesn't seem to have changed much in that league at all, apart from, obviously, the fact that you've got some EPL teams that have dropped down to their through to the demise of the EPL. Do you think, I think, possibly fans are, well, especially for Hall fans, will be chip spikes. I think the only reason they'll be staying. That's a good enough reason for me. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to love the chip spice. You've got to love the chip spice. Anyway, moving on from, from the league structures, I think we could talk this one to death, so I think draw a line under that one. 
Um, do you know something that may be controversial in a different sense? Because I'm sure some people may disagree with us saying that, um, do you know, there's a step down in terms of quality of watching. Or, or do you know, people may disagree with us saying um, that we can't understand why you'd go and watch the NIHL games. Um, so, yeah, slightly controversial in a slightly different sense this week in the Elite League. Um, one of the main talking points coming out of the games on Saturday and Sunday this week was Davy Phillips. Surprise, surprise. Um, so, background to it, Davy Phillips comes in for a big hit on Kieran Long. Um, Long has his head down as he's coming out of his own zone. Phillips comes in with a big hit and obviously the two collide. <clears throat> Some question as to whether there was a head check in there. Uh, in comes Lyndon Springer, who for some reason took it upon himself to drop his gloves and play a game of Twister with Phillips on the floor because it's what it looked like more than a fight. But, um, yeah, guys, what do we make of that? Because it's been quite a, a talked of, talked of incident over the last uh, few days. Lyndon's actually backing up his own teammate. He's seen a big hit. He's going, you know what, I don't like that. I'm going to stick up for my teammate. Like, only of was would do. It's like the cause of the game, but also the hit itself, as you mentioned, Kieran's got his head down. He's put it up at the last second, and you're taught not to have your head down. So obviously a hit was going to occur. The hit being, from what people have said and what I, I've only watched it once, so I only see like a hit to the head, but the hit to the head only happens because his head's down and he slouched down a little bit. That's that's my my view of it. It's something that's going to happen in any league, so from NHL all the way down to Bailey hockey. Yeah, I mean, from, from seeing the replay um, of that hit, the only problem now is that any hit to the head, any contact with the head, the, the, the prime contact of the first contact to the body, if it's the head, it becomes an illegal play and it does carry games. And, and you know, I suppose in that respect, rightfully so. But in this occasion, I think this, there has to be some form of element of considering that Dave Phillips may not have had the opportunity as he's committed to the hit and waited. You know, he's not just gone end-to-end to end to he's waited for the right time to make a legal hit in his opinion in terms of you know taking the body whilst he had the pot his head's come down That now my question is and I've to you two is had Davey had the opportunity to pull out the hit knowing if he's seen that the head was down and if he hasn't should that have some consideration if Dops was to um, review that hit I think if he had the chance to pull out of the hit, then yeah. But, I don't know, I think it should almost be a kind of a weighed-up thing as to like putting an attribution as to, to both players as to whose fault it was that it was a head check almost. Because in fairness, you can't skate... I mean, there's been a number of people making the argument on social media at the moment. We've always said social media is a dangerous thing, but in terms of that, obviously there are, there are always going to be things that you see that you agree with and things that you disagree with. And one of the things that stood out for me was a lot of people saying, well, if that's an illegal hit then by that account, you could then go and skate coast to coast with your head down. 
and then the only place that you can get hit is the shoulders, which is, particularly when you're skating forward at pace, an incredibly difficult target to hit. Most of the hits you'll see with a guy skating full pelt down the ring are hits at the front, hits to the chest. So, you know, if that's the case, then that's fine. Yeah, I understand that we're trying to get rid of the head contact, we're trying to minimise concussions. In that respect, it's a good thing. Obviously, we don't want to be seeing players getting injured. Obviously, the concussions, particularly, and the, the after-effects of that are, are, you know, catastrophic at times. And, and you know, you do see players re retiring from concussions, post-concussion syndrome. Obviously, we, we spoke about, a bit about CTE last, last week and, uh, and Dan Carcillo, was it last, last week or the week before? Um, so, you know, there are a lot of reasons to get rid of, of, the, of you know, the head checks, but... You've then got to remember it's still ice hockey. Yeah, at the end of the day, players are still it's still a contact sport. Players are still going to be making the hits. And and bang on from what I've read, if if we're saying that if you make a hit on a player that's got his head down to that extent, and that's counted as a head check, and that's counted as a however many match ban. I mean, I've seen people suggesting six or seven games, which to me is just barbaric. But. Um, you know, if if we're going to be turning around to that and saying, yeah, okay, that's a two-game ban, that's a three-game ban for that head check, then more and more players are just going to be starting to go, okay, well, do you know, I'm going to get behind my net, I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to skate all the way up because nobody can touch me. I think the the balance of where we go actual dangerous play, I think that needs to be found. I mean, you know, the game is changing. That you know, whether we like it or not, the game is changing. Um, a humongous elements of it, I agree with. You know, in terms of protecting the player, we've said it before this podcast: protect the asset. Um, but there has to be, like you said, Joe, there's that little element of well, if he's going to keep his head down, he then becomes untouchable, and that's not the sport. Whether you want it to be full of hits or whether you want it to be full of skill, because that's just a guy head down just skating on, and that's no, that has a dangerous precedent to lead to. Uh, yeah, I agree, I agree with what you're saying. Um, but I think the game will find its line. I think then, I think we'll all, as punters, be a lot happier. But I think we're in that period of, of where we, we, the game doesn't know where the line is. Never mind the fans, never mind the players. I don't think the game itself knows where that line is. As after that may sound, you know, you want safety. Yes, however, is safety, as that's the question it sounds, is it at the cost of entertainment, you know, even though these players know that it's a dangerous sport, it's a contact sport, it's that line. And I think once the game finds its line, as you know, as Dash admits, I think everyone will fall into place and I think we'll all be as happier hockey fans then. Yeah, I think we're at a point where the league are almost overcompensating for it at the moment. I agree with you. I think there'll be a time when it evens out. Um, you say about protecting the asset and protecting the players... Um, and obviously we've just talked about the entertainment factor for the fans as well and I, th I think that's that's the interesting thing you look at a lot of the talk in the NHL at the moment and a lot of the talk is about enhancing the product for the fans which obviously it's going to be the fans are, the, are what bring the money into the sport but one of the things that they've been discussing in the NHL as far as I'm aware is wanting to bring the size of, either the size of the nets up so making the nets bigger or bringing the size of the goalie equipment down, so making the goalie equipment slightly smaller. The reason, obviously, being so it's slightly easier to score a goal. For me, I personally, I don't see the point. I, I think it just takes the skill out of the game. I think, you know, you're then going to start to see score lines ride. But they're going on the premise that fans like to go out and see a good seven, eight goal game. 
which which is fine. You know, it's fine. But if you're going to put that focus on making the game more interesting, you've then got to at some point realise that the fans still want to see big hits, and that's the whole reason that a lot of fans will still be watching the game is for the for the hits and for the contact. No, I, I understand. I fully agree. That. Bizarrely, in a, in a weird context, you know, the anniversary of um, an Australian cricketer, Philip Hughes, who died um, from a bouncer that hit his head um, during a um, first-class game in Australia. And so that was, as well as we record this podcast today, um, there doesn't seem to be that focus on actually, like I say, the asset, the protective gear. Um, if you look at gear over the, you know, the protective gear, you know, elbow, chest guard, and everything over the years, it's got bigger. Um, it's got bulkier and you can say well that's going to protect him it's going to protect the person who's wearing it but it's a contact sport so it's the person who receives the hit or has the contact from that gear so maybe the focus instead of the goal is an oxygen because I'm a goalie but instead of focus on the goal is you know let's make sure our players are safe let's make sure our assets are safe because you know you can have bigger goals smaller equipment but if you ain't got the players to score the goals because they're all injured don't know they're all going to be because there be people who be that concept of you're all going to be injured, you don't have that. I'd like them to see that focus actually move to the protective gear, making sure the players are safe. And then, you know, once you sort that out, everything else will then fall apart because then you know, right, you've dealt with this part of the game, and then you deal with that part. And I think that's where I think the focus needs to move to. I think if you're going to like shorten the equipment for goalers as well, that's going to have an effect on goalers and being injured quite a bit as well you know more than they are now I mean I yeah you'd, you'd love a 7-8 goal thriller but what's even better is like a, even if it's a game that's 2-1 and like the your team or the opposite team have scored in like the last 10 seconds or something but they've been battling it out all game for the full amount that's I prefer that type of game over a washout, pretty much, you could say. As a fan perspective, it's more, that's more entertaining, more entertaining to me. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the best games I've seen um, was a um, Olympic qualifier, like maybe Kazakhstan, and it was a, a three-two game, but it was just so, it was end to end. But the hits were there. The hits were, they were all legal. Um, some, you know, really good hits. No, and no one was hurt. You know, which, you know, obviously that's what you want to see. But it just so end to end, and that type of fast. I mean, our generation of hockey fans love the game, um, and I think I appreciate the sort of the, the last two or three years of hockey fans may not fully appreciate because the game has changed that much. But the transition from the change of game in respect of how the game is played. And I know I agree with looking after the player safety, but I, I just have this little, little understanding of, of where the game needs to go to and, and just change it and completely go. Cause you see so many fans now going, well, you know, this is not, this is not the same as I used to watch. This is not as good. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't hockey. You know, you see it so many times you hear it in the stands, you see it on social media and it, it, it's, it's going to be an interesting point as to where it ends up where it goes right we're happy with where the game needs to be we're happy where the rules need to be now everyone needs to buy in and how that all pans out um, I'm not sure yeah I find it interesting talking about um, you know about about the change in, in, in equipment as well and, and that type of thing 
Um, obviously, you talk about you talk about you know goalie equipment for that, Griff. Um, I mean, I, there was a tweet from Kevin Weeks, which is one of the things that sparked me in, in wanting to talk about this, in fairness, this week. Um, there was a tweet from Kevin Weeks. It was actually a few weeks ago now. Um, obviously, Kevin Weeks is an NHL Network producer. Um, he was a goalie, obviously former NHL goalie. And what he was saying was, um, you know, he, he's saying it shouldn't be an option. Um, he, he said, I speak from factual science and experience. Last time NHL reduced diameter uh, by only three inches to 45 inches. Uh, me, Brodeur and Kolzig needed surgery for ruptured, bi ruptured bicep tendons, which were caused just by the reduction in size, by three inches reduction in size of the, of the, of the equipment. It, you know, it, it highlights to you the difference that it makes, particularly from a goalie's perspective. On the flip side, you've then got the outskaters' equipment getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's, that's the thing that's causing the problem. I mean, I go into my hockey bag now and pull out my elbow pads... And they don't look like they're there to protect my elbows anymore. They look like they're there to break someone's ribs. Like, I'm, there's no need for the, that level of padding on your elbow, in my opinion. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to find elbow pads much smaller these days. So if you need new gear, you've got to succumb to the fact that that's, that's the gear that you've got to be wearing. But you look at it now and, and it's not... It doesn't even look as if it's that much protective anymore. If you hit a guy with that, it's going to be lights out half the time. No, very much so. I mean, and, and it's a topic that can go on and on because it is there's so much material, so much out you know angles to look at. But just one thing, just kind of throw into the mix to end it, the conversation for now. A one that's never discussed is the size of the ice compared from North America, where a lot of this research is, to Europe, because Europe is a lot bigger ice surface widthways, whereas obviously it's a lot longer. In North America, but you know the width is shorter. Maybe that's the area where they need to give the players more ice to play the skill game. I don't know. That's that's very much a spitball of that one. Mm. But you know, something that's never spoke about. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. Obviously, the NHL often lead the way, and and we kind of follow. So it'll be interesting to see how the equipment size, the goal sizes, and 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 the game progresses in that aspect in terms of hitting and fighting, and in fairness, the whole product. But to bring it back to obviously the, the starting point, we got a little bit off track from the Davy Phillips hit there. Um, you know, my opinion of the the Phillips hit was I don't I I've, I've watched it numerous times now. I don't know if it was a head check or not. The the problem is the angles of the video. Um, you know, it varies to an extent the quality of the video. Um, and I'm sure if it goes to Dops, they'll have better angles. They'll have better quality videos. They'll have closer videos that they can watch. Um, the problem is from the videos that I've seen, it's not all that clear. Because my first impression was that he'd hit him in the chest and that it was more like the whiplash kind of hit and the whiplash mechanism that kind of whipped his head back as the, as the, the hit was made. But it's not clear. And the problem is with him had, having his head down, it could easily have been his head or it could have easily been his chest and that's the problem. Um, obviously, we don't know whether it's gone to Dops. I imagine based on Finner's comments, which to be honest with you, um, I think... He was talking out of his backside with that. He's come out with a comment of saying um, it was one of the worst hits he's ever seen. Um, for a guy that was on the ice when Brad Voth absolutely wiped out Ashley Tate, uh, I think that's a pretty pathetic comment, to be honest. Um, particularly from a, a guy who, who made a career from being a rink rat and maybe throwing in a few dirty slashes and things like that. To turn around and say that hit is one of the dirtiest hits you've ever seen, 
um, talking rubbish. If it is a if it is a head check, if it is a ban, fine. But it's certainly not one of the dirtiest hits in the game. Um, what do you guys think? Obviously, just a recap. Are we thinking that it was a head check? Are we thinking it was a chest hit? What do we think? I must admit, I, I do think chest hit, high chest, but chest hit nonetheless. I don't think it's a head hit. From my first instance, I thought it was a head hit, but I'll gladly watch it over and over again just to see if it was a head hit or not. I mean, I'm sure Docs will do the exact same. I'm sure other fans will as well. Okay, so it's just to round up the Phillips thing then, just from everybody, I'll ask the same question. Is it a ban from Dops? And if so, how many games? No. No ban for me. I'd probably say no ban as well. <laughs> see, I think it was a chest hit, but I can see a ban coming. Um, I don't think it should be given a ban. Um, I think if there was head contact there, if the initial point of contact was the head, even though it was because he had his head down, I think Dobbs will take it more severely. I'd probably be saying a game ban, but you've got to bear in mind as well that Phillips is a repeat offender. He got a one-match ban at the start of the season against Nottingham. Um, I'd be saying if they do give him a ban, I'd be imagining two or three games. Any more than that's excessive. I think, in fairness, a two or three ban hit, uh, sorry, two or three game ban is excessive. But I, I can see that being what they give if they do give a ban. Um, Whilst we're on the topic of DOPS, it's something that I've noticed over over the season. Last year, in terms of the transparency, I thought DOPS had got it pretty spot on. Um, you know, by the Monday or Tuesday, we knew what was being reviewed. By the Wednesday, we knew the result. Now, we don't know what's being reviewed. We don't know whether things are being reviewed and it being decided that there's no action taken. What do we think? Do we, do, we, do we think this is a movement, that a, a, a conscious decision that's been made to not put that out, or do we just think that it's just something that's been let slip a little bit? I don't think it's a conscious, conscious decision, because, um, like you said, you know, they, they, they nailed it, you know, everyone knew what was happening. And maybe, you know, the, the feedback to the fans, so the media team that has been in the, the Elite League um, has, has changed over the past couple of months. So maybe it may be just something... Within that change, it's just not been delivered. I mean, the, the person who was who took over from uh, Rob McGregor and Craig Anderson, a guy called Luke Fisher, is good at what he does. He's been working with the CHL um, and a couple of the European leagues, I think, um, EBBL league. Um, so he's, you know, he's got good pedigree in terms of working in this area for different leagues in Europe. Um, so maybe just a case of loss, loss in translation. I don't know. I don't think it's, uh, you know, we're just going to keep the fans in the dark. I, I, I think it's just something that's probably just been missed. And, um, Probably no one's raised it, apart from us. I think the exact same as well. I think with action that's been introduced this, this year to the league as well, I think there's just been a one that's probably just been missed off the agenda. I think it's just like, it's been missed, it's in the, in the dark in the corner somewhere, and they've just not thought about it. For me, it's just a big step back. I just think, as I say, the transparency before was great. I think either way, regardless of what the decision is on this Davy Phillips incident, as an example, 
there's going to be a, a, a you know a cohort of fans that aren't going to be happy. Whether that's the fans that were saying, oh yeah, it was a dirty head hit and should be given five games, or whether it's the fans that are saying, no, it was a chess hit, it was clean, he had his head down and it was his own fault. Either way, you're going to upset somebody. But you soften that blow if you're turning round and saying, we've reviewed this and we've decided that no, no action's going to be taken. It's what they had last year, so oh, I'm, let's just hope that it is a case of it's just been forgotten and just you know, with the um, Mike Hicks as the uh, director of hockey operations, just it's just something that's been missed. Um, not by malice, it's just something that's happened. Um, let's just hope that's the case. Yeah, fingers crossed. I can't see the logic to consciously cut it. Um, but again, moving moving on from there. Um, Coming up in the following weekend, obviously we've got a bit of a clash. Um, Belfast obviously taking the league by storm a bit at the moment. Some good results over the last few weeks. And obviously in to- on top of that, they've got to build to the confidence obviously with the results in the Continental Cup. Um, not the Continental Cup that Guildford and the, and the Steelers are playing in, but the actual Continental Cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously you know they've got a bit of confidence from that. They're going to take a bit of confidence from their recent fixtures. I mean, in fairness, um, you know, they won both their games over the weekend, just gone. Close game against Blaze 2-1, uh, but then got a 4-1 win against Guildford. Um, and then you've got the Steelers, a team that are very much on the up at the moment. Terrible start. Um, I don't think anybody's going to deny that. Um, but, you know, they're on the up. They're getting some great results. Good game against Manchester. In fairness, Manchester didn't even look like they got into the game last week. I know that they scored that goal. It was a very, very lucky bounce for a goal. Um, in fairness, I, I came out after like the first couple of periods thinking, you know, Climey's doing really well, and then I looked back and thought, actually, you know, he's not really had a great amount to do. He's made the saves when he's been needed, but I just thought we controlled a lot of the game. So it's certainly going to be an interesting looking um, coming up to the weekend with the Steelers Giants with the double header in Sheffield. What are we thinking, guys? I think it's going to answer a fair few questions as to where other directions that the lead title is going to go. I think, you know, these are the big double headers that, you know, you look at, you know, the same, the month later, what we're having, Sheffield having Belfast, Cardiff will have their double headers, uh, the Panthers will have their double headers, and it's, these are the games where you kind of go, right, if you take X amount of points from that team, then actually you become well in the race. So that's, you know, if Sheffield win both games in regulation, they are in the race. Outside, but in the race. If Belfast win them both, then you kind of start saying, you know what, Start putting them in on Belfast. They're playing good hockey. You know they, they've had a horrific um, away stretch, and they've won the vast majority of the games. You add in the Continental Cup, which will you know three games, three days against three different teams of different styles. You know, and they picked up I think an injury too. They still held that run. I, I'm look. I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be an absolute fantastic weekend um, hockey, regardless. And I think. You know, we're going to see two teams who are either of the spectrum, but both difficult to play against. Uh, you know, if you haven't got a ticket, a why not? And B get the podcast. Uh, sorry, no podcast. My apologies. The webcast uh, from Steel Three. You want to watch the game because I think they're going to be really good. The... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that myself. For being there on the Saturday because Stormer in Milton Keynes. So why not go over watch? a title contender and the Sheffield Steelers. <laughs> Why not? 
But I think over the weekend it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty even. I'd say Belfast are going to win one game and you guys are going to win the next. Not too sure on what day is like, but I think it's going to be split even, regardless. I think maybe come when you you guys are over there for the double header, that can be when you start talking about, okay, who's going to be a title contender? Because we're going to know kind of who's going to be at the top by then. I mean, it's going to be a struggle, I think, maybe for Belfast with the getting to the final as well to Conti Cup especially if they pick up injuries. But I think this weekend, it's going to be a really good weekend for hockey. Yeah, I'm excited to see it this weekend. I, I, I like our chances and I don't like our chances. Um, the way that we're playing at the moment, I think we can beat anybody. I think we're as difficult to beat in the league at the moment as Belfast is. We're, you know, We've been running off a lot of confidence. Um, a team that you can never write off at the moment, which is, is always good. Um, you know, you often get it where teams will go three or four goals up and then take the foot off the off the accelerator. You know, gear it down a little bit to save some some energy. Um, and we're we're not a team that you can do that against. So even when you even when we're two, three, four goals down, you you can't write us out of the race. And that's something that I think may play a bit of a factor in the games this weekend. Um, that always claw back mentality. Even if Belfast do get the first couple of goals, that often you see to be so critical. You know, we've proven them maybe not to be so critical in recent times. So, you know, I think we're there's certainly going to be two well contested games. Absolutely, and for me as well, one good thing about having double headers is you get the opportunity to get an atmosphere with a good set of fans from the away team. Um, Rumoured, I mean, thanks to to Joe tweeting, there's about over two hundred fans coming in from Belfast, and they're they're going to bring a, a hell of an atmosphere. Um, as they normally do in games in fairness. So uh, I think that's going to that's gonna make it for even more entertainment. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping they still chant the logical song. I think we'll be chanting along with them if uh, if they do. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the last I time they came over. That was amazing. <laughs> I think we must have been singing that for the next two hours after that game. <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. Um, but one other thing we've had through, and thanks to everyone who's... Um, who's kind of tweeted in and, and posted on, on Facebook is from, from James Taylor is, is what do we think? How do we think the, uh, the games are going to go and, and put our colours to the mast as it were? So um, we'll, we'll just go around circle. Joe, how do you think both games are going to go? It's hard to say. Um, I'd find it easier to be honest with you if it was any other team in the league, even if it was Cardiff, I think at the moment. Um, I kind of agree with Gref. I think we're going to see a split in the games, splitting points. If we are going to see a split at this point in the season, I'd, kind of, I'd hope to say that it'd be two points each rather than seeing one team get two and then another team get a cheeky overtime as well and get a three-pointer in. Whenever you go away, and I always find this, you know when we go to the away games in Belfast, um, if you get that first win, you know, it changes the whole weekend. If you lose on Sunday or the well, Sunday this year, if you lose on the Saturday or the Sunday, whichever the second game is in Belfast, you don't really care as much as you do if you win or if you lose the first game. It just kind of has a bit more of an impact on the weekend. So, from that aspect, I kind of I hope Steelers can get the win on the Saturday because I think we may be able to knock Belfast off the game on the Sunday. 
I don't think it'd have the same effect, obviously, with us being the home team. I think if they get the win on Saturday, I think we can still bounce back from that. But if we can get the win on Saturday, I think that we may be able to scoop in and take both both games. But we'll have to see. I'd say a split game. I'd say Belfast on the Saturday and then Sheffield to get a gritty win on the Sunday. Yeah, I'd agree with that one. I'd say Belfast on the Saturday will get the win. And they'll go into the Sunday game probably thinking... Yeah, we've done this already. We can do this again. Um, Sheffield has turned it around. And they, they get a, che- a cheeky winning all the time or something like that. <laughs> I must say, I, I think this is going to be splitting up. I'm going to go I think both games are going to go to overtime. Um, I think that's it's going to be that's how close it will be. Um, you know, you, you've got the firepower of Belfast, but you've also got players like... Uh, um, Buzio and Della Rivera, who was absolutely torn to pieces at the beginning of the season, now being you know hugely effective um, in the mid-season. So they now they've gone to strike. I I think there's going to be a lot of uh, good hockey to watch. And I, I'm, like I've said already, I can't wait for these two games. One thing as well that'll be interesting is to see if we if we link up Buzio and Neely. Um, something I meant to, meant to mention earlier on uh, actually is I, I think I'm sure it was Buzio, but I remember at the start of the season we made a signing and it, it was a player who said they'd played a couple of seasons with 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 Neely, and actually when they signed they called Neely up and said you know I'm coming to Sheffield do you want to maybe give the retirement a second thought and and come and get the boys back together, um, so it'll certainly be interesting to see if we can, if we can get those two on a line together and see what kind of noise they can make. Um, because in fairness, if it is Buzio as well, Buzio really, really does show some skill, um, and really does show some some ability out there. As you say, he certainly stepped his game up um, since Barasso has come in. I, I think he's become less of an individual since Barasso has come in. I think he's always shown a lot of skill, but I think under Tomo he was trying to do a lot of it on his own, um, and I think Barasso's just kind of drilled a lot of that out of him. So to see him link up with Neely, it certainly be interesting, and, and it may be a bit of a difference maker, but. At the same time, when you're seeing people like, um, you know, Murphy, um, Dwyer, you know, and the likes of, of the, the, you know, Baum, the likes of the, the Giants coming to town, equally, I mean, their first line is is a power. Yeah, it, it has all the, the marks for just a great weekend of hockey, and anybody who watches it, whether it's at the arena or on the webcast, will be treated to some uh, some good entertainment. I feel like we're doing an extended radio advert to get fans to the game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all just talking about how good it's going to be. Nobody's going, oh, it might be a bit of a dodgy game. It's all it's all just, yeah, all guns blazing. This is going to be amazing. Buy yourself a ticket. Well, if, if you're honest, you know, some games you go, oh, it's going to be good, it's going to be good. But in, in deep down side, you go, yeah, that's not going to be the... I, I look at these two games and how Sheffield have turned things around and how Belfast are on form on down the road. I can't see anything less than two great games of Then again, with our prediction form um, at times, you know, it may be the complete opposite. <laughs> we could come out of it going, oh, Belfast <laughs> smashed Sheffield 5-0 on the Saturday and then Sheffield smashed them 6-0 on the Sunday. Both games, both teams played pretty pretty rubbish in there. And, you know, they were a bit of a boring game. So you never know. You never know which way it's going to go, but I can't see it going that way, to be fair. <laughs> Um, so mo- moving on from the doubleheader, then um, sticking with Sheffield for the time being, there was another incident in the Manchester game that I just wanted to talk about. Um, Matt Climey made his home debut 
um, for the Steelers on Sunday against the Storm. Did a stellar job, to be fair. One goal against and got a man of the match performance. Um, he also got a two-minute penalty for leaving the crease. Um, the way that it happened, Westerling got high-sticked under the chin. Um, the referee's arm went up, so Climby left his net to go to the bench. As that happened, Martinelli started to get involved with a bit of a ruckus, which happened in front of Climby, but instead of skating past, Climby stopped and, and looked. I, don't, I wouldn't even say he looked to get involved. He just kind of stood, maybe tried to break up the players a little bit, didn't really throw any punches or look to escalate anything, but it, it resulted, essentially, resulted in him getting a two-minute minor penalty for leaving the crease. Um, what do we make of that? By the, by the, the letter, correct. Um, you know, he's, he's changed direction, got involved, therefore, you know, has left the crease. Um, not the traditional leave the crease to get involved in an altercation. However, it's, it's one of them where you go, yeah... It's, 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 it's rubbish in respect of he's, he's done nothing apart from move people out of the way to stop it carrying on stop it escalating um, you know if he'd been swinging his um, glove hand and I'll, I'll stress why I said that in, in particular you know, fair enough blocker it'd have been a match penalty um, but from you know he's, he's moving people out of the way he's not when I say get involved he's not you know you know, swinging the fists, as it were. So it's it's, it's one of them where Bavaletta, it's, it's bang on. You kind of go, mm, you, you just, yeah, that's yeah. Best way to describe it, from my opinion. Graf, what do you reckon? I think from personally, I, I, I think yeah, the letter of the law states it should get a penalty, and that's unfortunate for how it's occurred, but. The referees of the night, they've done, they've pretty much done their job. They know that's a penalty. Even if he's coming off to, coming off to, it's just to go off for the extra man whilst the play stops. So you just get the penalty. So you, you guys are on the power play. I, it's unfortunate, but it's something that, so what the law had to be done. Yeah, I mean, to give a bit more background to it, uh, from what I've seen, and I, I agree with you both, in fairness, you know, the in terms of what he should have done, he should have, yes, it was in front of him, yes, he was leaving the crease because he was going to his bench, but then he should have gone to his bench. Um, you know, the, the rules are very... The rules are very strict in terms of goalie movement. Obviously, goalies aren't allowed allowed to go past certain lines, you know, unless, you know, they're not allowed to leave the net in certain instances unless... Um, you know, like if it's an equipment problem and things like that, obviously they've they've got to let somebody know. It's it, the the only instance really that a goalie can make that kind of beeline for the bench is obviously when there's a penalty, which is what he was doing. But he should have just skated past. He should have just skated past. I have to admit, my heart skipped a beat, and I thought we were going to see a, you know a decent scrap with a goalie involved. Kind of got a little bit excited. Um, but yeah, I, I can also I can see why he got involved. Um, if you watch the replay of it, uh, I know that you both said that you've not had a chance to see the full replay of it. But um, as I say, Westerling got caught under the chops. My time, at the time of watching it, I kind of thought, why is Martinelli getting involved here? Um, there's no reason for it, and, and I know that Andy was was stood near me as well and kind of said there was no point in that. Um, he's just got himself another penalty. But then if you look at the actual video. 
the stick comes up under the chops of Westerling, Westerling goes down, and then while he's on the ice, I believe it was Byers that was on top of him, through either through a punch or a cross-check, or went to shove his face into the ice, something along those lines, while Westerling was face down on the ice. So I kind of, I see why Martinelli jumped in. If you watch the video, he doesn't really do anything, he just kind of comes and grabs him away. And I think that's what Climbing was doing as well, which I fully support, even if he does get a penalty for it every time. And, you know, I'm not going to say don't do that because at the end of the day, if your, fa your player's getting his face smashed into the ice, take the penalty, I ain't bothered. Um, and then obviously Springer comes in doing what Springer does best and uh, throwing punches at about three different players, including about three sucker punches at Westerling that really weren't warranted. But, yeah, what, what do we think to those kind of incidents now, guys? Because obviously the MK game and the Guildford game set a bit of a precedent. Um, obviously, you saw Fitzy get in. Uh, do you know, was it a two-match ban for a, a one-man fight? Um, you know, Shudra got a same for a one-man fight or a one-punch or whatever it was. However, it was described. There were two incidents in that Manchester Steelers game, both involving Springer. Surprise, surprise. Um, the first, obviously, with Davy Phillips. Springer comes in, sheds his gloves, goes to try and throw a few punches at, at Phillips. The argument is there that Phillips dropped his gloves, but at no point did Phillips look like he was interested in a fight. And in fairness, it ended up in a tangle on the floor. So, pretty terrible either way. And then the other side, you know, Springer, clear as day, throwing four or five punches at Westerling, knocked his helmet off. Westerling clearly showing no intent to fight back. Do we think the league have set a bit of a, a bit of a precedent and made a rod for their own back with this and, and, and kind of starting to maybe go down the line of glove punches become sucker punches and you know, fights that end quickly or fights where a guy jumps in become one-man fights now and end up with a two-match ban. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, we mentioned it a number of times when you, when you watch the game and when a referee sets, makes a call, a particular penalty in a particular style, he sets the tone there and then, that's your bar. And I think the league have kind of done that in trying to eliminate all this play because, you know, if that's the league's island fair play and that's what they want to do, not a problem. But then it then it leads up to, well, if someone else does it, then you've got to make sure you do the same for consistency. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, I think, you know, Manchester could be a bit short um, next week, if, if we're truthfully honest, if they keep to the same lines as they did with the, the Guildford-Glasgow game. Um, but, you know, every scenario is different, as we all know, what, you know, in the game of hockey. So let's see what the league decided to decide on anything, if it's even under their, you know, they've been asked to look at it. Who knows? Let's, let's wait and see and let's see who goes on the ice for Manchester next week. I, hopefully uh, there isn't any bans for them as a Storm fan myself, but... Are you? You never mentioned that before. Happens, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, Griff, what were you saying? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I mean, this might surprise you a little bit. You know Springer's not actually our top our top penalty taker at the moment. I'd imagine Byers was if I was gonna guess. He is, yeah, 122 penalty minutes. <laughs> Fair play. Springer's got 108. <laughs> Play. I'm trying to get the, uh, the 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 penalties that were actually dished out in the game because there was another thing that struck me as odd with that incident between the two of them. I, I'm pretty sure it was by yeah it was Byers that was involved um, who ended up getting uh, did he get he got ejected from the game didn't he in the end 
there were two ejections from yes. that, weren't there? It was Byers and Springer. And it struck me, and I don't know whether it is the case, it struck me that the turning point for Byers... Now, for me, Byers should have been thrown just for what he was doing to Westerling, because that's not on at all. Shoving a guy's face into the ice when he's face down on the ice, that, to me, is a, is a penalty any day of the week, and it's a game that's gone up to at least because of the danger involved in it. But I wasn't sure, in fairness, I don't know if the referee saw that because it was quite subtle. I, you know, obviously, if he's down on the ice with a few players around, a bit of interference in, in terms of the vision for the referees. It interested me to see whether he was thrown out for that or whether he was thrown out the game for not going straight to the penalty box because that's been something that's been raised recently. Um, and he did try and shake the gloves and go after Martinelli after he was being escorted to the penalty box. Is this something else that we're going to see creeping in? Like, you know, players... Even, you know, we see players do that sometimes if there's been a bit of a rough, players still having a bit of a chat afterwards trying to go after each other. Are we now going to see these penalised a little bit more? Possibly, yeah. I mean, the penalty that Byers got was two minutes for high sticking, a double minor penalty for roughing, and then a 10-minute misconduct for continuing altercation. So... There's 16 minutes. 16 minutes there, and you got... And that was happening at 14 40. No one did it. He was out of the game. Like yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but then Springer also got the double minor penalty, and then a game is conduct for continuing the altercation. Well, I guess so, the argument for that is Springer was kind of the third man into the altercation. I know that it's not third man in, in terms of they were two willing combatants, but in terms of who was in the incident, obviously, if you consider that, that Baez and Westerling were involved. Well, in fairness, I guess you wouldn't even consider Byers and Westling. I guess it would be Byers and Martinelli and then Springer comes in afterwards throwing punches at a few different players. But I just something that interested me because, as I say, I mean, it, that was the kind of turning point that you saw the referee make the move to say he's gone was the point where he was trying to go after Martinelli. But um, interesting either way. It'd be interesting to see how penalties are given out on this one uh, and how Dops approach it. Um, another controversial, maybe... One that uh, one that is often very much disputed in the elite league is the conduct of goalies. So kind of almost following on from Matt Climey, um, goalies knocking off the net. Gref, I know that you'll be an expert in this, having watched Clemente for the time that he was at the Storm. He never knocked Um What do we think of this? Because I, I think it's a bit of a it's a bit of a difficult thing to assess. One or two ways to look at it. Um, if a goal is going post to post, you're trying to make a save. Um, if you need something to to give yourself a, a push, you can use the post. And in all fairness, even to that the, the NHL goalie training and coaching, they like to say push off the post. But what they have in the higher leagues and, and in certain rinks in the UK is they have the goals or more that's deep in the ice, so they can do without the goals coming off easily. Now, if you look at certain rinks, Planet Ice rinks, and rinks that have got the curling mats, so, you know you can't have um, deep moorings and Ice Sheffield because it's also the main pads used for figure skating that could be dangerous um, if they use the the wider the wider ice surface. Is it can't have deep moorings, so it's easier to push off. But the one thing you are in, 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 at the top level of, of coaching is you push off your post to make, to go post to post or to put pressure on. So if, if that's part of the, of the training uh, and, and how the goal coaches will teach you at the high level, 
it's not cheating at all. It's, it's not the goalie's fault that you've got moorings that are so shallow. I agree with that for 100%, well, especially last like the last few seasons, obviously, I saw Clemente push off the post to make, try and make a save. Obviously, with, with our, especially with our rink, the nets is quite a harsh rink, so there you go, <laughs> that explains it all. But then you see goalies, like I'll use, for example, Ash Smith this season, where he's full-on took the net off for his shoulder. And that that's, that's like, yeah, that was quite cheating there, but well done. It, 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 it must have been, one thing I was going to say, if, if you can, you know, a bit of sportsmanship just to get the net off when you're under a bit of pressure... Uh, you know, you, you just go to referee. You know, I don't know. You know, I've gone trying to make a butterfly save, and that's happened. You know, you know that not me, gov type thing. You know, and if referees either don't think it's deliberate or they, they don't see it, which is easily done, then that's not a case of referees. Then that the goalies will do it. You know, it's only the same as um, as an outskater hold a hold a player for a couple of seconds, not get called. It's that kind of it's that silly level of sportsmanship type thing in terms of you know trying to get an advantage. Um, the one that you mentioned about Asmith that was a little bit. Yeah, across the line of of uh, deliberate and bl- and blunt, but do goalies cheat? No. Do they take advantage when they can do? Yes, like every other player. I was gonna say I don't think it's cheating. I mean, yes, it's again when you when you go by the rules, it's it's maybe not the most moral thing to do, but um, I mean, you, you see out skaters coming out and and as you say, take making those holds, or you know, you see a guy get slashed on the glove, he'll shake his hand or drop his stick when maybe he's not even felt it, or you'll see a guy trip when he sees a stick near his feet. Yes, by the rules, you know, it's it's embellishment, that type of thing. But, you know, it, it happens. Players are going to do it. Players need that edge. You know, every team's looking for that edge to get them the goal, particularly nowadays where we're getting to be such a, uh, you know, a close-scoring game, do you know, where, to, where a lot of games go down to, like, the knuckle, obviously, as I say, to, to list a few off last last weekend or the last week that's just gone I mean Devils 3-2 um, Giants Blaze 2-1 you know Storm Devils 5-4 in OT Devils MK 3-2 in OT Flyers Stars 4-3 in a shootout if any of those teams could get do anything to give themselves an edge or give themselves that power play that could get them that game winning goal they're going to do it yes it may not be moral yes the other team may have an have a, um, you know, issue with it but I can guarantee you your team would do the same thing and it's the same thing with goalies if you've got a lot of pressure on you know, just like a player would cover up the puck if he had the chance or a player would trip a guy going on a breakaway just to take the breakaway away you know, it, it's, it's not great but if you've got a lot of pressure on they're, uh, you know, then you're going to kick that off you're absolutely right and um... I did have to laugh when you were saying, mentioning netminders and morals. Um, it, 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 I don't think many goalies um, would understand that, uh, myself included. But uh, no, it's, it's all about advantage. It's all about getting that advantage. You know, you're there to compete. You're there to do everything you can to win within the rules, and maybe trying to bend them without breaking them. And you know, it's easy to go, oh, he's cheated. It's cheated when you know he's pushed off, pushed off the post to make a save and that. And sometimes they will do. Sometimes you know they'll use it and they'll take advantage. You know, you go down the list of years, Joe Delaney in Coventry. Any goal is in Coventry. Um, renowned for, you know, pressure, pressure, next thing, next off. Got to blow the whistle. You know, he's helped his team out. He's given his team just a chance to regroup. And, you know, it happens. Look at the rinks where it happens the most and ask the question, 
well, how big are the, how decent are the moorings? And if they're not, and they're on a basic for other use of that rink, then you know, you kind of it's it's gonna happen and you just gotta kind of accept it. Let's be fair, there's three main rinks in the league that you would say the moorings are decent. Three main ones, at least. In the you'd say Sheffield when we're playing at the motor point, but obviously the games have been at the uh, sorry at the Fly DSA. The games have obviously all been at the Fly DSA this this season, other than the preseason. But you know the the the, the moorings at Sheffield Arena are good. Obviously, the, the ice isn't used for anything else other than obviously Disney on ice when it comes at times. But obviously they'll they'll bring they'll sort their own ice out anyway, or fill in the moorings or whatever they do. I ain't got a clue. Um, Nottingham. Um, again, same thing. Their their pad, obviously the main pad, the one emblazoned with the uh, you know with the Panthers logos. That is primarily an ice rink. I know that they use it for uh, you know sorry that primarily an ice rink. What a stupid thing to say. Primarily a rink for ice hockey. Um, I know that they use it for things like speed skating and they use it for figure skating as well. But moorings don't seem to be too bad in Nottingham. Um, and then Belfast to be my other one. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know if there's any other. If you disagree with any of those, or if you're adding the others in, um, I'd put Cardiff at the Viola Arena. That's not they're decent um, as well. Um, but apart from that, yeah. I feel like you just said Cardiff just so you could drop the new name of the arena in there. <laughs> well, you know, if you have to, you have to. Yeah, but in fairness, it'll, it'll still be Arena Wales. It's like uh, the old arena matches all be the MEN Arena. It's like I've just called the State Sheffield Arena Manchester, uh, the Motor Point. We went we it as exactly, the Motor Point yeah. for a few years. Yeah, but no, exactly. it, it is what it is. Um, you know, it's always going to happen. People are always going to whinge. I, 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 it's funny you say about the Coventry goalies because I always re- I remember when um, I think it was Hirsch that was in net for, for for Coventry at the time, and he knocked the net off in the last minute of the game against the Steelers, and the referee deemed it to have been intentional and. and as per the rules, if the net's knocked off deliberately, it's given as a penalty shot. And it was given as a penalty shot, which I believe was either the game-winning goal or it was it was certainly a deciding goal, uh, of either the final nail in the coffin or, or the game-winning goal, I'm not sure. But it was certainly controversial at that point. But, but yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The, the, other, one, yeah, the other one that made me laugh with that was, um, I think it, it might have even been Stuart, um, it was either Stewart or it was the goalie before him and he was going off because they were pulling the goalie at the end of the game and the Steelers made a shot down the ice as he was coming out of his net extra skater already on um, Steelers had a shot on the open goal and Stewart actually skated back towards the centre of the ice and stopped the puck with the extra skater already on the ice and the referee gave it as a goal and I, I remember that as well. I always like it. Always seems to be surrounding Coventry with the uh, with the controversy, but <laughs> regarding goalies, certainly the calls on goalies at least for that. But um, yeah, I, I, it's just something that I thought was worth mentioning because people always complain about it. It's always going to happen. Um, but yeah, I don't think people always realise that the mornings do make such a big difference, particularly for goalies like Whistle that are going to be used to the mornings at Sheffield Arena to then go and play in. Fife, where it's a public skating rink as well, and they have no moorings, they just essentially have a piece of metal that sits on the ice. Do you know, if he's used to pushing off a, a net that's drilled into the ice, then he's going to kick it off numerous times. If, in fairness, the reason I bring that up, the reason that I actually was bringing it up in the first place was from when the Steelers played Fife, because I know people were saying the commentators were commenting, saying, Oh, that Whistle seemed to be using it as a bit of a tactic 
Um, I imagine that was probably one of the reasons he was doing it, um, was because he's used to the more he's been drilled in. But again, I don't really think if he if it came down to it and a lot of pressure was on and he had the chance to kick off the net, I'd you know I'd be asking the question of why he wasn't if he didn't. So it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, moving on from that, I believe, unless anybody else has got anything to add, Dave, I don't think we've got any more questions because I think we've covered all the questions regarding... I think they were no, all just the, a double-header, weren't no, they? Yeah, they were with a double-header, and thank you to uh, James and Joe. Um, she does say to... Uh, she's over with the uh, the noisy drum um, on Saturday, so uh, look out for uh, a group of people with Christmas jumpers. You'll see the, uh, the panel um, there. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, any... When if you listen to this and you, you we've covered a fair few topics and some that even when we've done the agenda was like when expect that to come in. If you agree or disagree, you know, tweet us, post on our Facebook group, tell us what you think, ask the questions, and we'll uh, throw them into the mix. Uh, we'll, we'll do it tonight and we'll we'll do it next week if we have any more material. Yeah, exactly. But before we wrap up, we have one last thing: um, fixtures upcoming over the next week or so. Um, same as usual, gents. Run through them and then see what we think. See how badly we're going to predict them this time round, or how on the money we are. One disclaimer that we will put out: if anybody is listening to this, please do not base any accumulators or bets on our predictions. If anything, base the accumulators on the opposite to our predictions, because that's more than likely going to be the result. But um, yeah, so we've not done well. We, no, we haven't. Other than us for the Manchester game. Um, yeah, I've moved that Cardiff game against Star. Yeah, well, no, we'll just not mention the free sports Coventry Guildford game that we said was going to be a close game and ended up being a 6 2 blowout. Um, so, gents, so Wednesday the 28th of November, which is actually today now because it's currently quarter past 12 on Wednesday. Um, so, yeah, we started recording this on Tuesday, so we'll go with tomorrow. Um, Wednesday the 28th of November we have Nottingham versus Milton Keynes in Nottingham who do we think is going to get that one? Nottingham by two I'm going to say Nottingham by one uh, I'll agree with you Dave Nottingham by two uh, then we okay. have the first lot of the Challenge Cup Challenge Cup not Continental Cup the Challenge Cup fixtures um, Dundee take on Belfast in Dundee Dundee by one. I'm going to say Belfast by one. Yeah, I'm going to go Belfast by two, I think. Um, I hope Belfast go all out in the game because it'll set us up nicely for the weekend, but we'll see. Um, The second Challenge Cup game um, of the second round, Glasgow clan in Glasgow against the Cardiff Devils. Glasgow by one. See, I'm going to say Cardiff by two. Yeah, I agree with you, Griff. I'm going to go Cardiff by two. Uh, and then we are back to the Elite League on Friday the 30th of November. That's Glasgow against Coventry, once again in Glasgow. Glasgow two. I'm going to say Glasgow by one. I'm going to go Coventry by one. So we'll uh, we'll see with that one. Then we move on Saturday, the first of the De- of December of the December. I was going to say then that's very informal. Um, it is the day that we're all out on our uh, hockey team Christmas do. It is the first day of the Sheffield 
Giants doubleheader. But we'll not start with that. We will start with Guildford versus Nottingham in Guildford. Guildford in overtime. Yeah, I take Guildford in overtime. I'll go Guildford by two. Uh, Dundee in Dundee against Coventry. Dundee by one. See, I'm going to say Dundee after hell of shots. I'll throw another spanner in the works. I'll go Dundee after overtime. Uh, and then we have the Storm travelling down to Milton Keynes and freeing up Greth to travel to Sheffield. Uh, so the Storm take on the Lightning in Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes by three. I'm going to say Storm by two. Uh, dependent on whether any Dops action, I don't think there will be. Um, I, I expect Storm to be travelling with the full roster in terms of no suspensions. Um, I am going to go Milton Keynes by two. Uh, and then we come round to the game that we've been building up to, the Steelers versus the Giants in Sheffield. Gref, you're down for the game on this one. We'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to say Belfast by one. Sheffield overtime. I've said I think Belfast for the first game. I'll go Belfast by two. Uh, but I will go the second goal ahead will be an empty net goal. Um. Then, final game on Saturday, we have the Flyers versus the Devils in Kakodi. Are five going to break their bit of poor form? No, Cardiff by two. Yeah, Cardiff by two. Full house on that one, because I agree, Cardiff by two. Once again, we'll reiterate at this point, just because we're agreeing does not mean that you should go and put a bet on it. It's more than likely not going to happen. Um, and then we have Sunday the 2nd of December pretty special day not to mention why um, <laughs> uh, we have the Panthers versus the clan in Nottingham Panthers two goals I say Panthers in overtime I'm going to say Panthers by one in regulation uh, then we have the second of the double header. We've got Steelers Belfast in Sheffield again. So I go Belfast overtime. I go Sheffield overtime. I'm going to go Sheffield by one. I'm hoping for a birthday win um, from the Steelers. And also, well, it's your on Sunday, Joe. Did I not mention it? No. You should have mentioned it, mate. Sorry, mate. I must have missed it. <laughs> don't worry guys I know we're going out to town so you, you, you can bring me my presents after the game I don't mind <laughs> good luck good luck thank you um, then we've got Coventry Guildford in Coventry Guildford twin by three I said Guildford twin by two I say Guildford in overtime uh, then Storm with is that the return leg or is it not no I've got that wrong Storm playing Fife in in Manchester I'm going to say in Storm then that don't work Storm v Fife in Manchester Manchester to win by two 
Greth, we know you're a homer. Are you going to go with Manchester? Yeah, well, yeah. Manchester to win that one. <laughs> uh, I actually think Manchester will get this one, but I'll go Manchester in overtime. Love you too, Greth. Uh, and then the last game on the Sunday is Cardiff Dundee in Cardiff Cardiff by three Cardiff by two I was on the same lines as you there Dave I'm going to go Cardiff by three and there's one more that I'd throw in the mix just because we generally record on a Tuesday Um, Tuesday the 4th of December there's a Challenge Cup game, Manchester versus Nottingham in Manchester. Presumably, we're not going to be recording on on Tuesday unless it's after the game, because presumably you'll be working, Gref. Um, but we'll throw this one in just in case we can't get a podcast in before that. Um, what are we thinking, guys? Panthers three. See, I'm going to th- I'm going to say it's going to be Panthers by one, and I'm going to split down the middle. I'm going to say Panthers by two. So that wraps up the fixtures. Obviously, the next fixtures from that will be Wednesday, the 5th of December, but hopefully uh, we'll get recorded by then. Um, apologies if we don't. Obviously, as I say, Greth's going to be working on Tuesday, so we're going to have to try and find a time um, to get that recorded, but hopefully we can get that done before then. Um, but thank you very much again to everybody that has listened to the podcast episode so far, including this one. Um, if you do have any comments, as Dave said, we'd like to hear if people disagree with us, if people agree with us. Um, if you're an NIHL fan that listens and wants to tell us a little bit more as to as to what you find appealing about the league or as to what draws you to go and watch that, please get in touch because we really do want to know. Um, and yeah, if you've got any questions to ask us for the next one, it's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter and it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Obviously, as always, you can find us on Anchor FM, which is where we'll post the link on Facebook and Twitter uh, once this has gone live. Um, but also you can find us on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well Uh, so by all means listen to us on your favourite platform Um, and yeah thank you very much to everybody that's been listening everybody who's been sending in questions Uh, but for the time being, Greth thank you very much thank you for having me pleasure as always mate and Dave thank you very much Thank you very much. Uh, always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> As always. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much to everybody. That's been another episode of my Fancy Zamboni podcast. <laughs>